When I was a child, there was one advert on the television that always grabbed my attention. It wasn't for some toy that I wanted or a games console that had just been launched. My favorite advert was one of those public information spots about road safety. The whole generation of children in the UK learned to walk down the road safely because of this advert. Perhaps you remember it. There are two hedgehogs, a parent and a child, we assume. And they saunter down the road with a, a swing in their step as they sing a song about not getting run over. And it's set to the tune of Roger Miller's country classic, King of the Road. I was feeling nostalgic the other day and I watched it on YouTube and I had to laugh. One wit had left a comment saying, why are these hedgehogs walking down the road to see their flatmates? Anyway, the, the reason I was feeling nostalgic and remembering this road safety advert is because of the slogan that comes on the screen at the end. In big letters and with four exclamation marks, it says, stop, look, listen, live. Now, I don't know if the people who made that video had been reading the book of Jeremiah. I doubt it, if I'm honest, because it is a tenuous link. But those four words, stop, look, listen, live, they sum up very well the message of God through his prophets. And for our purposes today, they're a great summary of the single verse that I want us to look at together. It is Jeremiah 6, verse 16, and it goes like this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. It is the beginning of a new term and a new year here at the lunchtime service. And in the midst of the chaos and the uncertainty and for many the hardship of the past several months, I wanted us to take just a few minutes this lunchtime to take stock, to, to ask why we do this. Why bother with a lunchtime service? In fact, why bother with God during the week at all? And that verse from Jeremiah seemed like a great place to start. And I have just four quick points that I like to pull out from it, inspired by those singing hedgehogs. Or well, stop is the first one. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads. Now, there are times in life, aren't there, where we reach a crossroads. We can see different paths or options open to us and we've got some decisions to make about which way we're going to go. It might be some positive options, a job opportunity or a marriage proposal, or a relocation to the dream house in the dream neighbourhood. It might be a negative change in circumstances that forces us to reconsider our options for the future. An illness that limits our capacity for work, maybe. Or a parent growing frail and needing more of our time and care. Or maybe circumstances in the world around us force us to reconsider and reevaluate the lives that we're living and the things that we've taken for granted. 
Tomorrow is the anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks in the United States. I was 11 years old at the time. I was in my first full week of secondary school and we were sent home early for fear that there would be coordinated attacks here in central London. I didn't know what the Twin Towers were until I got home and saw the news footage of planes crashing into them and, and them collapsing and the terrible loss of life. It was, well, as Dorothy says to Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. I suddenly realized that the world is a bigger and a more dangerous place than I had ever given thought to. Those big moments, they force us to stop in our tracks sometimes and to take notice. And for those who live day by day without reference to God, they put eternal things on our minds and spiritual things on our hearts. My colleague Rico Tice has co-authored a book with Rachel Jones, a collection of stories of people who have come to faith in Jesus that's called Finding More. Reflecting on the interviews that Rachel conducted for the book, uh, she said this. She said, national tragedies can create gospel opportunities. Two people I interviewed talked about the impact that the 9-11 terror attack on the World Trade Center had on them. They couldn't be more different. Deb was sitting on a couch in Cape Town, recovering from a drug-fueled birthday party the night before. She saw in the news footage of a terrifying picture of where her heroin addiction was going to land her in total destruction. Nikki was a teacher and saw the footage on a TV at school. She was angry that her sisters could believe in a God who had let that happen and took up the invitation to a Christianity Explored course just to prove them wrong. For both women, the scale of the tragedy provoked deep spiritual questions and a re-evaluation of where their life was at. Well, that was a national tragedy. We're living through an international calamity at the moment with this pandemic. Many of us have lost people we care about and are close to. Most of us have had our patterns of working life and home life and social life utterly disrupted. It's a crossroads moment for us and for those around us. And I wonder if the message of God in the Bible is to say, stop. Don't let this pandemic pass you by spiritually. Take stock of where you are. Recognize the things that you've taken for granted, which have been taken away. Recognize the things that you've trusted in, which have fallen away and failed you. Recognize the ways in which you've been going your way in the world without a second thought to your creator. And before you rush on, trying to get back to normal life and rebuilding what seems like it's been lost, Take the time to stop, to stand at the crossroads, to look. Look. It's our our second point. Stand at the crossroads and look. One of the most persistent themes in the Bible is that of blindness and sight. One of the warnings that comes again and again is that in our fallen human nature, we are unable to see, to see ourselves for who we really are, to see the world for what it really is, and ultimately to see God for who he really is. As the Bible presents it, 
That is a spiritual problem with a spiritual cause. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 uh, that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. There's an enemy at work in this world trying to tear our attention away from the things of God and eternity and curling ourselves in on our present circumstances. As ever, C.S. Lewis wrote about this well, he argued that our greatest risk in our spiritual lives is not leaping off into some grave and heinous sin, but rather that we would become distracted by trivial things. In his screw tape letters, Lewis imagines that he is a senior demon training a junior demon in how to lead a man astray. And he writes this, you no longer need good books which he really likes, to keep him from his prayers or his work or his sleep. A column of advertisements in yesterday's paper will do. You can make him waste his time not only in conversation he enjoys with people whom he likes, but in conversations with those he cares nothing about on subjects that bore him. Which sounds a lot like social media, if you ask me. Lewis was ahead of his time. He goes on. All the healthy and outgoing activities which we want him to avoid can be inhibited and nothing given in return, so that at last he may say, as one of my own patients said on his arrival down here, that is, in hell, I now see that I spent most of my life in doing neither what I ought nor what I liked. Well, if that is our enemy, what is the antidote? I think it is to look. And here are four directions to look in. Firstly, to look around, to observe the world that we live in. We ought not to be ignorant of our circumstances, but engaged with them. There's a slightly obscure verse in the book of 1 Chronicles that commends the people of Issachar. Uh, They were men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. As we're at work with colleagues... As we're enjoying leisure with friends and family, we ought to be those who look around and understand the times so that we might know what to do and what to say. Secondly, then we're to look up. Distracted as we are by our own concerns, there is God who is concerned with us. He's the God who made the world and has acted to save the world. I was reading a book recently by the writer Jared Wilson, I read this and it stopped me in my tracks. He writes, To put it bluntly, if there is a God of the universe, and there is, and this God of the universe loved you and wanted to be in a relationship with you, and he does, wouldn't it be stupid not to talk to him? Well, thirdly, we're to look back. One of the reasons that we're given the Bible rooted in time and history is that the work of God takes place in history. From creation where it all started and and the fall where it all went wrong, God has been gathering a people to himself to rescue them and restore them. And ultimately, the great event that we can look back to with certainty is the historical event of God the Son stepping into the world to live and die and rise again to save us from our sins. So we're to look back. And finally, we're to look forward to Look forward to the return of Jesus in glory. 
Uh, much as we might live for this life alone, there is an eternity ahead of us. And one day Jesus will return and usher in that eternity. Those who haven't committed to trusting Jesus, haven't fully considered the return of Christ in judgment and all of its consequences. Those who have trusted in Jesus have often found themselves forgetting this future that they have to look forward to, which ought to transform utterly their lives now. So stop and look. And as I close now, very briefly indeed, just two words of application for us to consider. Listen. And remember again our verse, Jeremiah 6.16, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. Asking for ancient paths is prophet language for hearing the word of God. We've spoken of traumas that hit nations and the world. We've spoken of distractions that occupy our time and our attention. We would do well to turn to the source of news that truly makes sense of the world as we hear God speak through his word in the Bible. Again, Jared Wilson, he describes the scene of his Bible lying on the passenger seat of his car. And he says no thief has ever smashed the window of his car to steal his beaten up Bible. They don't think it's valuable. But he writes, this is what we have. We have in the book we call the Bible, the secret of the universe. This holy book contains actually the very word of the very God. It's why we hold these lunchtime services where we read from the Bible and speak from the Bible. We believe it is the best thing we can hear in the course of a working week. And we believe it is as the Bible is opened and the gospel of grace in Jesus is made known in it, that the Spirit is at work, making Christ known to unbelievers. Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. That's why we bother with a lunchtime service. One more word, and then we close. Stop, look, listen, live. Now hear our verse one more time. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. That last point, it, it's not an afterthought, it's crucial. You see, we don't just want to be those who stop in our tracks because of troubling circumstances. We don't just want to be those who look at the world and at God out of intellectual curiosity. We don't just want to be those who listen to God's word and carry on as we were before. No, we want to be those who stop and look and listen in order that we might live. To have and gain life in Christ by his spirit through faith in him. And to live transformed lives by his spirit through obedience to his word. The word Jeremiah uses is is rest, rest for your souls. 
Rest from the striving and the struggle of life in a broken world. Rest from the spiritual desert of alienation from God. Rest from the competing messages that vie for our attention. Rest from the pain and harm from the sin that we so quickly fall into. Chris Wright says, Jesus surely had this verse in mind when he said in Matthew 11, Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus could have said, stop, look, listen, live. And with that in mind, let me pray that we will do just that at the start of this new year. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that you have spoken. And we pray for this term ahead, for this year ahead, that we would be those who take the time to stop, who have eyes opened to look, who have ears to hear as we listen to your word and who will live by your spirit as we follow Christ. We ask for your help in that, in Jesus' name. Amen.